You're listening to the Leave the Bottle podcast. Our guest today, Jennifer Ray Quinn. I want you to go to Medium J. Ray Quinn. That would be at J. Ray Quinn. I don't know. Medium does that that way. Or jrquinn2ends.com. Check out her work, her blog, and what she's doing. Jennifer, you're a writer, and that's how you and I met, quote unquote, uh, on the internet? Yes. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. One of the things, well, let's talk about your writing first, I guess. I see that you say a, a young adult and young people. Tell us about a little bit about who your audience actually is. Who are you writing for? Young adults that can't find books that are actually about the young adult experience on the shelf, which is why I post it on the internet. Um, young adult topics like drug use, sex, etc. that usually don't make it into young adult books very much as a topic. Um, so I wanted to put that online and have it be accessible because I really wished when I was that age I had that. <laughs> Absolutely. Has anyone reached out to you out of curiosity on, say, Medium? Are you getting anything on Medium as far as people coming back to you other than me, obviously? I did. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten any young adults yet. Um, I just submitted to a couple like teen high school collections, so hopefully I'll get something from that. Um, I just started doing this in January, so I'm actually surprised that I've been getting any comments at all this soon, which has been really nice. Jim is also on Medium. Jim, what's your, uh, you know, the Medium URLs are not that easy to read. We're talking audio here, but what's your uh, address on Medium? On my wall, it's at James Barriford. It's medium.com, I guess, uh, at James Barriford. Um, I like Medium so far. Uh, I had one story that got huge, uh, a huge amount of uh, readers, and the rest, you know, uh, it's it's very hit or miss. It's yeah. it's fun. It's fun because any of us, like the three of us, can write on it. But so can a lot of other people. I mean, it's much much more open now than it was when Randy, you and I joined what last summer, I think it was. Yeah, I was in the beta uh, thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you actually got me into it. And you know, you're fighting through a lot of people who are who want to write on there now, including a lot of established writers as well. And a lot of you've seen a lot of magazine writers and 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 you know, full book authors and Absolutely. so forth. So you're you're fighting through that that whole thing. I think it's still also like these collections, like Jennifer mentioning about collections, because any of us can create a collection doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to go to that collection. So I think it's it's having patience, which is tough for me. I, I can't speak for you guys, but for me, it can be tough. And you, you get up there and you say, oh, God, you know, only 30 people read my story today or, you know, 22 people read my story, but I put it out to all these collections. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, still, it's still so new that uh, that I think it's going to be a pretty cool format, but I think it still has a lot of, uh, of a learning curve still. It's a good idea, but uh, Jennifer, do you ha- did you start a collection by any chance or are you just, you're writing and submitting? Um, I've just been writing and submitting. I don't have a collection where I'm asking things from other people. I have my own collections just to organize my stuff, right. my own posts. But, um, yeah, I don't know if I'll get into editing a collection well, yet. You, well, you don't have to necessarily solicit. I mean, when I started mine, and not that it's any huge deal, but the point is when I started mine, I have two collections. And um, 
the couple of both of them I started just for myself. I figured, well, I'm going to write these, like the future history, which, by the way, you're in. You have a couple of stories in that one. But the, I had an idea, and then I thought, well, I'm not going to be able to fill this up. The collection that actually, my collection that actually has a little bit of success is Life Changes. And that's where I'm trying to ask people to send, uh, to submit their stuff where something actually changed their lives. And I started with maybe 15 of those, because I've lived a long time. <laughs> and so I've got a whole bunch of things that changed my life. For example, I met all four Beatles, and that changed, well, it didn't change my life, actually. But it's an important moment, you know, that I can look back on and go, okay, this happened, this happened. A lot of things, partly meet, meeting some celebrities, but also just, uh, well, one of them had to do with somebody I met whose girlfriend was um, a hooker. And uh, I went with him, for reasons I won't get into here, to a motel, and we were at a certain distance watching that go down. And I mean, to me, that's a little bit more compelling than some of the crap that the startup kids are posting. And that's what I was going to get to, is that Medium has a lot of people who are into startups and tech and they're posting, I think they're posting like for kind of link bait type thing. And Jennifer, you're, what you're doing is, and I'm not saying this because you're here, what you're doing is actually way more original than that. I get really tired of this, you know, let's do this to get this effect, you know, that kind of tutorial startup vibe. That's not what I'm interested in. What I'm interested in is the kinds of things that you do. A lot of the stuff that I'm posting on Medium, I wasn't getting... Um good responses in, in the academic world. And that's kind of what pushed me to go to the internet because it's complete freedom for me to express myself. And the stories that I'm writing on there now, I have two collections. I have a main book that I'm writing and then the flash fictions, which those are posted now. Um, and I got in touch with my friends from high school through Facebook and we messaged each other about all of our tales and I thought, you know, we should really come together and make something from this. So I kind of take all of their stories and I take aspects of their personalities because there's 13 of us and I whittled it down to five characters. So they're more like composites and I tell their stories. I write it out and then I have them check over it. So it's really like a collaborative process, which I really enjoy a lot. And I've been getting some good feedback on Medium kind of nice i like the becoming uh that you go into more detail uh when you're describing to people and it's like some of the bands are bands that i used to listen to back in the like ministry ministry yeah. it's like and i don't know how many people nowadays listen to ministry but they were a great band uh back in the day so when i was reading i was reading uh the story yesterday when i knew that uh, you were going to be on today and it just it made me it, it took me back actually to a different time when I was much much younger, and 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 all those bands and your descriptions of the people um, really ring true to me, which is really cool because there's there's really good writers on Medium and then there's a, you know there's quite a few who aren't so good and that's fine you know we all have to find our voices in different places, but that was. A, one of the things that I really enjoyed yesterday when I was reading it was like it was taking me back to like 1985 and 1987 with my friends like just out of college and hanging out and going to clubs at night and just listening to great music and crashing afterwards and so forth. So it brought back that whole vibe for me. I just wanted to say that that was one of the things that was really cool when I was reading it. And I wanted to thank you for bringing that feeling back to me. Awesome. 
Yeah, that, it is. It's it's really nice. I want to encourage you to keep keep putting that stuff out there because it is. It's it's really well done. It's really nice. And don't worry about. I mean, I'm a musician. I've been haven't been playing live lately. But um, what I'm saying is, you do your art, whatever it is you call art. You know, that's what I call my art. And you do it. You don't do it for recognition. You're happy to have the recognition, but keep doing it. Just keep going on and doing that thing and hopefully you know someday people will like it but if not we you've got two guys here who appreciate it we're not in any way in the demographic you're even trying to reach and that's think about that a minute i mean that's that is awesome isn't it we crossed well i mean, I mean there's nothing wrong with that we crossed you crossed over you're in the old man demographic now <laughs> speak for yourself on right, that you're one. not that old but you know but you know what the um but it's it's like listening to music or going to a concert and like me now suddenly being one of the older people at certain shows, um, but still being a young person at other shows. And I, I so that's why I think that there's, you know, validity to, you know, somebody who's not a teenager reading what you're writing, because like I said before, I can still relive and can still vicariously through your words kind of go back to another place. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that. You know, and that's why, you know, I, I don't buy into the whole notion that, you know, like only young people can listen to young people's music. And, you know, because I'm in my 50s, you know, I can only listen to Bruce Springsteen or something like that. You know, it's 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 a big it's a big, huge world out there in art and music and writing and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, whatever makes you happy on it. So as I was warning Jennifer, or telling, or warning uh, Jim actually, but warning both of you, we, I want to talk a little bit about karma. This is something I brought up before I met you, Jennifer, and mm-hmm. I saw the um, reference to shadow work. You want? Could you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, you mentioned it, and you know what? I can't find where you mentioned it either. I don't know where, but I did look a little bit at the video of that you linked mm-hmm. to. I don't remember where that is, but do you do that daily? How often? And tell us a little. Okay, um, so I came across that video on shadow work um, last year, which is what led to me becoming spiritual. Um, her name is Teal Swan, and she has a whole series of YouTube videos on spirituality and meditations and stuff like that. And it was the shadow work video that was the first one I found. So when I did that, um, my kind of entire reality crashed. Um, what it does is it, it, it roots out your negative core beliefs that you internalize from childhood. And it worked so well for me that I thought it would be really nice to take this process and somehow do this in writing. And that's how I ended up writing um, the essay on comma splices. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, that's just, that's. Okay, so pursuing pursuing the spirituality, and, and you know what? Uh, uh, as much as I've known Jim from doing these things and from talking to him on um, Google Plus, I don't know what he thinks about this. But I did already tell him last week that I wanted to talk about karma. I'll give you my meaning of it, kind of, because it's not a religious, philosophical, or spiritual one, but just that I know that the mindset of when you're doing th- good things for people. Not ostentatiously like, hey, I'm doing good things for people, but you do, you know, you do good actions, you do nice things, you're nice to somebody, you do something good for somebody. And I have, throughout my entire life, 
I feel that very often when I've done something selfless for someone without looking for any return, just seems like within a day or two, something amazing will come back to me. That could be imaginary. I mean, I I admit everything. I'm not saying, you know, this is the way it works, causality. But I just think that if you have the mindset of positivity, that helps a lot. Because then you're ready to accept. That was the way somebody put it once. You're ready to accept these good things. And the negativity and hate that that Jim talks about in one of his essays, by the way, on on the internet and and on television and so on. All of these things come from people who aren't really ready to accept the good things that can come to you. So that is all, you know, hippie and spiritual and feel-goody and all of that. I would like to get your takes, both of you, on that. We'll go to our guest, Jennifer, first, but Jim, I'm dying to hear what you have to say, too. (laughs) Jennifer, do you, first of all, karma, the way I explained it, do you feel that way too or not? No. You can disagree. I, <laughs> you can disagree. It's okay. <laughs> I, well, I used to have this idea of, of, of karma as like this, this, this thing that followed you throughout lifetimes. Like if in a past life you murdered somebody, that was going to follow you. And even if you're a good person now, you're still attracting bad things because you were bad in a past life. And then when I found those um, Teal videos online, she explained karma in this way. And when she said it, it, it made sense to me uh, that it kind of doesn't exist. When you, when you die, your stuff is cleared. And all that matters is right now. So when you're thinking positively in the moment, you will attract positive things. So it, it, it is kind of in line with what you were saying about that, if that makes sense. It makes sense to me, James. Yes, yes. <laughs> and like I said, anything but Jimmy. I, I look at it as cause and effect for me, uh, and I think that most people are looking at it in, in it's probably terrible to say the wrong way, but they are. Um, I look at it more in a direct impact kind of cause and effect that if I do something harmful to myself or to somebody else, I'm directly going to get that back because of my actions and and also in in a good way. You know, if I'm out there, if I'm doing good things or if I'm being positive and and I'm trying to be the best person I can be, I'm typically going to attract those kind of people back or or those are the only people who I probably will let into my inner circle at that moment. Uh, One of the biggest, it drives me crazy when I hear people describing karma as, a good example. This morning, I just happened. It was funny that I saw this video before this discussion. It's a video that was on um, some sports sites, and it showed a hockey player who had gotten hurt, and he like on his face, and he was holding his face, skating off the ice, and he was near the glass, and a uh, and a dude in the front row was mocking him and holding his own face and really mocking him and being very unkind about it all, like people can get at sports things. So the and the guy, the player, skates off. Well, later on in the same game, a puck went up over the ice. Now, there's 20,000 people. You know, there's a couple thousand within close to the ice. Out of those couple thousand, a puck went up and over the and hit the same dude in the <laughs> face and hit him in the face. So the security is down there and they're checking on him and they got a towel on his head and he's moaning and he's making a big production out of it. The whole bit Well, the player skates over goes up to the glass and starts mocking him and start, I mean, and that wasn't nice of him, but you know, I can appreciate, you know, he's a human being. 
he starts mocking him and the player skates off the ice and he's tapping the glass and pointing at him and, and all that stuff. Well, the whole gist of it was that the article was entitled about karma coming back to the guy. And I, I don't see that as karma. I just, that was just a, a coincidental happenstance that it was a very funny one that, you know, that if I had been there and seen that, I would have been like, hey, you got exactly what, you know, you asked for when you're being that way towards somebody who had just gotten hurt. What about, I don't think that, you know, I don't see that as karma. What about the, the uh, it's all one connectivity? Because, in fact, that's kind of what the shadow work, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, I, I didn't watch the whole thing. I don't know how long that is. And I've seen a lot of things like that before. But... To sum it all up, I mean, it's true that if you believe that everything is connected, and, and honestly, I mean, I think even scientifically speaking, we already know that we're all atoms, um, and the very famous and very beloved um, Neil deGrasse Tyson says, you know, we're all made of stars. Tonight. We're all made of stars. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking yep. forward to that. I'll see it tomorrow. We're all made of stars. Um, I mean... We, th there's only a certain amount of types of matter in the universe, so we are all made of the same thing. So somewhere along the line, there's, it, it's easy to believe that it's all connected. And I mean, I think that that's what Teal's videos kind of are saying. You know, she's saying, I don't know if you saw this, Jim, or maybe I didn't uh, send you a link, but she's saying something that a lot of people say, which is, you know, it's all, it's all connected. This is... Well, I can't even, I don't even want to trivialize what she says, but the point is, this is this spiritual connection that we have with sort of the cosmos, which is this really vague concept, but I kind of feel that in a different way. Maybe you need to get really high to feel it the way I feel well, it, even I, though I'm not high right now, but the point is, yeah. So, I wanted to get to Jennifer. You're following that series, you like that. Do you feel that there's this connection of... The, this cosmic thing where we're all one, there's this, there's this connectivity. Because that's related to karma too, in my opinion. You know, the, the tuning in the waves and all of that whole thing that she's talking about. No, I, 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 I totally believe that we're all, we all come from the same source. Um, there's just, there's moments where I feel it and then there's moments where I'm, I don't. <laughs> um, so, I mean, those moments are rare, but when I do feel like we are made of all the same thing, it's kind of amazing and it lasts for like a minute, but yeah. I kind of, but I do believe in that. And I, with the hockey puck thing, I have to say something about that or, cause I don't believe in coincidence. Um, uh. The, the guy making fun of the player was so focused on that, and I think this is what Teal would say, was so focused on it that he attracted that to him. Does that make sense? It does to me. It's a, it's it, 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 it makes sense. It makes sense. I, I can see where you're coming from with that. New age hippie law of attraction stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, it's like I, I – frequently laugh and call myself the world's worst Buddhist because because <laughs> I am frankly probably the world's worst Buddhist uh, you know uh, and I just I don't know I struggle sometimes with some of uh, that whole karmatic existence thing but also as far as where you know we were talking the other day or we were posing a question to each other uh, Randy and I were offline the other day as far as what happens when you die and uh, I like to think of it that, you know, we continue on into another existence again and again and again, whether that's as myself, as you know, a dog, as a cat, 
uh, it's kind of like the philosophy also of respecting people because at one time they were your mother or they were the, your father or they were your sibling. And I know that, I know, you know, I get that that sounds crazy to people, but, you know, it's it's a tenet to my belief. And that's why I'm, I've, I'm sad when I let myself down with how I treat somebody else, if I treat them less than kindly, because it's like, then I'm disrespecting at one time somebody who could have been my son or my daughter, my mother, my father, my spouse. Your cat. You know, whatever. My cat, absolutely. <laughs> you know what? I, I know it sounds crazy, but we lost one of our cats like four years ago, and uh, we got another one who happened to be born. We didn't realize it then. was born the exact same day that he died, wow. and they are identical in acting. And looking and all that stuff. Funny. Whatever that is, I know, I know. It's uh, I know it's all hippy drippy, but but, but Jennifer, I, I, Jennifer's I, I, got I cats. I think you have a cat. I have two cats. I knew it. Why did I? They're know that? they're staring at me right now. Well, that's <laughs> why I'm, I keep having I keep having to mute the mic because I have one who's <laughs> acting up. But yeah, I, I, even if it's not really true that say either one of you was my mother or my father in another life, even if that's actually really not true. It's not, I know, you didn't give me enough allowance, Dan. Um, it's, still not not a it's still not a bad way to go through life, even if it's not really true. It's not a bad way to go through life to show that kind of kindness and that respect to a fellow human beings, to any sentient being, really, that they could, because they could have been. Or even if they weren't, it's still a good life lesson. And that's my opinion on that. I agree. I agree. We should respect, pretend that it could be that. Why not? Right? Jennifer, I got another question for you. Mermaids. So I took a look at your Pinterest. Oh. Since you've linked to it in your, on your blog or on your... Uh, what's, with, what's up with that? You like mermaids. Oh, you know, so this is, this is kind of fun. Well, nothing's funny. Um, I, I went to a writer's conference and I brought a story to the workshop that had mermaids in it. And I was just like, oh, you know, whatever. I wrote a mermaid story. I come back from the conference and I visit my mom and she's got mermaids everywhere in her living room. And like literally scenes from the story. She has a mermaid statue where she's looking at a conch shell and that's like a scene in the story. And I'm like, whoa, I totally like absorbed this. Now that you could say that that's um, your subconscious, but I like to think of it in terms of synchronicities. Like walking into the living room and seeing all that mermaid stuff is a confirmation that that's what I'm, I'm on the right track. Like it's a sign. So then after I realized that, I started getting more obsessed with looking at mermaids and my obsession with mermaids, which I didn't realize I had one <laughs> until I started making the Pinterest and thinking about how many times I watched The Little Mermaid, how many times I read the Hans Christian Andersen story. And I used to, when I was little, have my mom French braid my hair and undo it so I would have mermaid hair. So that the mermaid is becoming a big project. But but You need to go to Copenhagen then. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so that's another thing, incorporating spirituality and writing, because I, I like to think one aspect of spirituality is paying attention to signs and synchronicities and symbols. And a lot of times when something keeps popping up in your reality, you're like, what does that have to do with anything? It, it ends up having a lot to do with everything when you look at it. So I, I encourage writers and artists of all kinds to pay attention to those things. Because a lot of times 
you'll you'll see something say like mermaids, you think it's nothing, and your 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 brain, your intellect, your ego will try and rationalize away like it's nothing, and just kind of like ignore that inner critic, and just go with it. If that makes sense. I guess it does. Do you have a thing on for mermaids, Jim? Uh, well, I liked the movie Splash. It was fun. Huh? That was fun. That you know fun. what? I have a question. So we, we've been talking about this, and we were trying to collect up some people's views on this. I, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. Not a problem. But we, we've talked about – my wife thinks this is morbid. I ask about how people feel, how people think about what happens when you die. I don't know if you've ever seen The Sopranos, but the end of that – the no – the death, the the thing is, they show a version of death, which is that everything just goes black, and that's one version. You have to admit that that is one thing that that's a common vision. Um, as a spiritual person, and of course, religious people would say, "Well, you go to heaven, you go to hell, you go to purgatory." There are many, many interpretations of this. Uh, can I ask you what yours is? Do you what do you how do you imagine when you expire, when you're gone? What is going to happen? Is it just going to shut off? Do you think it's you're going to reincarnate? Do you think there's going to be some, I don't know, some other thing that I haven't thought of? There are two questions. That's the first one, is what happens when, when we die. Any, any ideas? Are you asking? Okay. Um, so this is, this is how I've, I've learned about this. I used to be pretty afraid of death because it's, it's the not knowing. Um, I feel like our, our just your, our with our consciousness withdraws back to, you could say, source, God, energy, atoms, whatever you want, mm-hmm. what, the stuff we're made of. Um, and the whole point is that we choose to come here because source wants to know itself. And the way to know itself is to um, create separation, if that makes sense. So I feel like when I die, now that I become scared, I'm not scared at all. The only thing I'm scared of is not finishing the things that I set out to do here before I die. Um, I've actually had a near-death experience. It's kind of silly. I, I got um, food poisoning from garbanzo bean soup, and I was lying on the couch, totally dehydrated. My mom was on some, some work trip or whatever, and the room got really, really bright. And I thought, oh, wow, this is this is it. And it wasn't scary at all because the room was really bright. And I kind of was sort of mentally asking myself, well, do I want to go? And I thought, no, I don't. I'm not done yet. And then I got up and drank some water. <laughs> and so I kind of was that experience kind of just made me not afraid of it anymore. And it really made me realize that death is a choice, if that makes sense. That might be a little well. That's no, no. That's that's interesting. Woody Allen paraphrased my view on it, which is uh, I'm not afraid of death. I just want to be there when it happens. <laughs> and uh, I have a quick story, but before I do, let's get to Jim. Jim, uh, what's your view? Because I have I can play the the four people who answered the question too. Um, sure. Well, you, well, you should at some point. Well, I will uh, after this. But what's your? Let me hear your take, and then I'll I'll tell you my near death near death experience, and then. Uh, well, well, I've actually, uh, if it wasn't for uh, my father, actually, I wouldn't be here uh, because uh, my heart stopped, and he brought me back uh, when I was uh, seven, I think. Uh, wow. At a shopping mall, I was walking along the ledge of uh, a brick uh, wall, and it was raining out and I shouldn't have been up there and I slipped and fell and when I did I came down on a quarter of it caught me right in the middle of my chest 
and uh, I staggered a few steps, I guess, and then collapsed, and that was it. And uh, luckily, my father, being a World War II vet and had a lot of experience with uh, dealing with wounded and, and sick people and so forth, and he actually uh, brought me back. And I'd like to say that I saw light or that I saw anything or felt anything or experienced anything that I could bring with me, you know, after that. But to the fact of the matter is for me is I just remember starting to stagger. Everything went black. And the next thing I knew, my father was over me, uh, reviving me. That, that doesn't mean I'm discounting anything. I mean, I've gone through life under various spiritual you know, facets of, you know, being a Christian, being a non-Christian, being an agnostic, being an atheist, uh, to my current living incarnation, I suppose. Um, as far as where my next journey is, I, you know, I, it would be arrogant of me to, to say that I already know. And that's, that kind of can bother me at times when I hear that. Well, I know already. And it's like, well, you don't really know, you hope. And that, that's, I'm sorry, that's the way I look at that, you hope. And uh, I'd like to think that, you know, I get to continue on in some form after this. And that's how I choose to see it at this point. I could be for a really, in for an unpleasant surprise when I find I'm just laying there collecting, well, not collecting anything because I'm going to be cremated. But, uh, and that's another thing you asked about the remains mm-hmm, after it's mm-hmm. all. I always, my standard joke with everybody at work when they'll say, well, when are you going to retire? And I said, about two or three days before they throw me in the oven. And they're like, oh, my God, <laughs> that's, a, that's a horrible way of looking at it. It's like, it's true. I'm never going to retire. I'm going to be, you, a couple of days later, you'll throw me in the oven, and then that'll be that for that. Um, but, you know, it's such a tough, because you don't want to feel like you're you're dumping on somebody else's belief that that there's an afterlife or that there's heaven or that there's hell or whatever because you know i could be in for a hell of a surprise and be like "Uh uh-oh i should have been a little bit different thinking when i was alive but that's just not my belief at this point i respect people who feel that they're going to heaven i don't respect people who feel that i'm going to hell because i don't (laughs) believe as them i don't have any respect for that opinion whatsoever um well, there's a whole long but, thing you could do on, you know, if so, hell and heaven are notions of a creator, a supreme being. And, you know, one of the best arguments that I've heard, and I don't like to dump on people who believe, fine, you know, you believe in whatever you want to believe right. in. But right. with all due respect, if I can say, you, it's hard to think that someone who is that cool would want you to suffer. So I throw all that stuff away right there. I mean, I, well, then you get back to the, you get back to the free will thing. Well, you know, you were given free will yeah, to screw up. To you, screw who's going to screw with me? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So you've got this supreme being who's going to screw with us going, well, if you couldn't get your shit together, then, you know, I mean, come on, that's, that can't be right. But I don't want to offend anybody by saying that you believe what you want to believe. I it's it's hard for me to imagine that. I mean, that seems to be really petty to me. Anyway, quick story on my mortality. So I was in the shower. Uh, this happened to me about maybe 10 years ago. I was taking a shower in one of those, you know, you've got the bathtub with the shower curtains in my apartment in Paris. And I fell backwards and there was a sink and I hit my back on the sink and kind of not just knocked myself out, but I was paralyzed. So 
and this is going to be really tantalizing to you, Jennifer, and a nice-looking young woman. Here's this guy, you know, water everywhere. I'm naked, conked out on the <laughs> bathtub, and I don't know what's going on. But the, my thought going down was, is this how it's going to end? And I'm thinking, oh, God, the firemen are going to... They're going to come in and they're going to find me, you know, and I mean, this is, is this it really? I mean, so point is... You weren't even wearing clean underwear no, or anything. No, no, I was, <laughs> I was in the shower, wet, hairy, you know, the whole... Anyway, um, obviously, I made it through there, or at least I think I did, because I'm here, and, um, I, you know... Is any, but is anybody really, is anybody well, really see, here? But see, that's exactly true, too. Um, I feel like I've almost died a couple of times. And is this the reality, or did I, you know, like lost? Did I die? Anyway, that was that. Let me play you guys. Let's get a little comment on this. Let me bring up the volume, and I'll play you because it's very short. It's less than a minute. Here are the answers I got to what people wanted, how they picture death, and what they think they're going to do. Uh, well, I'm not exactly sure what happens when you die. So uh, one or two things is going to happen. You will pop into somewhere else and, uh, you know, a whole different life, reincarnation, heaven, whatever you want to call it, or just nothing happens and you're dead. It's done. Pick a fork in it. When I uh, leave this place, I want my remains placed on a wooden boat, set sail, and torched. Old-fashioned, Viking-style funeral pyre. I'm guessing it's going to be a lot like going into the knife, you know, if you've ever gone in for surgery. I'm guessing that's what it's like. What I envision when I die is this stepping into this collective consciousness, the ultimate connection, experience of love, experience of everything all at once. You don't expire, you just stop. I don't think I feel anything. It's, it just stops. I don't really care. At that point, it's already too late for me to care. To be very honest, I, I believe it's more about the journey than it is about the end. The last, I, I put Diana, Diana's from Romania. She's a brilliant programmer uh, who I've known for, for a couple of years. I put that at the end because I thought that was the most interesting comment was, hey, it's about the voyage. You know, screw the end, who cares? And that's, that's pretty lucid. That's pretty good. A lot of people spend their whole lives worrying and dealing with the next life or the afterlife instead of here and right now and in my opinion it's like you're losing so much because what if what if in all the cosmic yeah what if this cosmic joke is this is it and you got one ride on this rodeo and that is it and you spend all this time pissing and moaning about all the sorts of stuff that doesn't matter or you spend all this time worrying about you know your next time around how much have you missed because of that and it just what a shame that would be and and i'm not saying to live your life in a selfish inconsiderate way but to live much more in now not worrying about you know your eternal reward that may or may not come yeah i think i think that that's uh personally i think that's a mistake i yeah i mean there's got to be some kind of moderation you can't just live your life like uh, who cares what happens to anybody else. I think that we get back to the spirituality of try to respect other people, try to respect the universe, the cosmos, the fact that we're connected, that there's a planet. Right now, all we have is a planet, by the way. Um, so when we when I say cosmos, really we're talking about the ecology of the Earth. And, and <laughs> we've messed it up pretty badly, actually, right now, up until now. So um, let's try to you know, right the ship, get it on course, do what we can. But on the other hand, I'm not going to turn the water off, 
if I'm thirsty, I'm going to drink the water, I'm going to wash my hands. And, you know, I mean, there's got to be a, some kind of reasoned effort where you don't waste, you don't screw people over, to, make, to put it bluntly. You, you know, you do what you can, and hopefully there's a life, there's not a life. Hey, surprise me. What do you think, Jennifer? Uh, yeah, I, definitely. I think that we're run, kind of running the planet into the ground. Um, <laughs> and if you know, if you know, people and animals and rocks and trees are all one, so is the planet. So we all come from the same stuff spiritually. So you know, and people make the argument: people first, then environmentalism. And it's like, well, we can't really live unless there's a planet to live on. So I think it's important that we we look at that. I mean, main, talking about synchronicities, I kept getting um, there's a project, another project I'm working on, and I kept getting images of Nikola Tesla, which I found out that he was trying to figure out zero point energy, <laughs> which is in a lot of science fiction. And and the thing that's really cool about science fiction, like if you read um, the Martian Chronicles, you'll you'll realize, and like I think it's the second chapter that. The guy is actually reading off of like an e-reader and the book was written in 1955 or something. So what's cool about science fiction is that it, it does, it seems to like predict a lot of technology. And I think if, if the right group of science fiction writers can, can write out the, the, the zero point energy thing, maybe it could be a real thing in the future because that's going to be the thing that's going to save the planet. It's the fossil fuels that's ruining it. Jennifer, you, you just crossed a line. I'm going to explain to you that there was a oh, cartoon. No, no, it's a good line. There was <laughs> no, a, a good line. There was a there was a cartoon, and James Jim may have seen this. There was a cartoon circulating on the internet about speed dating, and the guy says, "So speed dating." I'm sure everybody knows what that is. And um, the question was Edison or Tesla, and uh, the woman said, "Who's Tesla?" The guy said Edison or Tesla. The girl said, "Who's Tesla?" And the guy said, "Next." So you said Tesla. Brilliant. We're both in love. Well, and a, and a lot of people would say Tesla. That was a band back in the eighties. Yeah, probably. You know, and, and that would be that, that would be the, <laughs> a really cheesy hair band. Yes, but it's still a band in the eighties. That's um, fantastic. I'm glad you, know, you mentioned you. You made my you know, day. You know, people mocked Star Trek back in the 60s. They said, oh, you know, the phasers and the communicators and so forth. But it goes back to what Jennifer is saying is like they really kind of laid the foundation for a lot of the technology that we're having now. I don't know even so much that you'd say predicting it as much as really kind of laying the foundation because they put with their stories, their books and their TV shows and their movies, they put all these wonderful ideas out there and then challenged engineers and challenged, you know, visionaries go out and create this now. You've read about this, like in the Martian Chronicles, you on Star Trek uh, and so forth. You've watched all of these amazing things that you want. Can you make it really happen? And and so I, I that's one of the things I really love about that whole genre is it really has propelled us so much further ahead because it really – when people really want something, they'll find a way usually to try to go out and get it or they'll try to go out and do it. And if it's an early version of an e-reader or it's the communicator on Star Trek, people say, I want that. I really want that. And when you have enough people saying, I really want that, you're going to get people who are much, much smarter than me 
who are going to figure out how to make that happen. And I think that's one of the great things about where we're at now is that we can start to make those things happen. I mean, I still, all the time, every time I'm driving for like a million hours on a road trip out west with my uh, wife, I'm like, wow, it would be really nice to just be able to beam, you know, to go from Connecticut to L.A. in an instant, you know, just materialize there. How, but at the same time, then I, you miss the journey in between. So there's that whole paradoxical kind of thing. But I did want to mention before I forgot about it, I don't know if either one of you have ever seen this movie. It's called uh, Defending Your Life. It's with Meryl Streep and um, Albert Brooks. And what happens is when everybody dies, they go to this way station and you basically are judged for your actions in life by this tribunal. And if you've done well enough, if they feel that you've that you've advanced enough, you move on. So they don't call it heaven, but you're you're going to assume that it's heaven. And if not, you go back to another life to do it again. And they have what's the big brains. The big brains are the people who finally have gotten it and they can move on. And the little brains are people like me who have to keep coming back and doing it over and over and over again. And it's, it's funny, but it's poignant. And it's the kind of a love story also between Meryl Streep and Albert Brooks, but it's a very interesting take on what if that, you know, it, it's a good what if movie. What if you did have to stand before a tribunal, so to speak, where they could pull up and they pull up the video of all these different things you've done in your life since you were we all the way up through and you have to account for your actions, good and bad, before you can, before you're either going up and um it's just, it's a really funny movie at times because it's Albert Brooks, but it's also a very interesting philosophical movie. I think that it was extremely underrated. It was made in the late 80s. But if, yeah, if you ever get a chance, check out Defending Your Life because you'll end up being thinking a lot during the movie and afterwards. Okay, if I examine my life deeply, which way would I be going? Potentially. Or is it all okay? You know, it, you know. I haven't, you know, I haven't killed any puppies or kittens or anything like that. So am I basically okay? So just something to throw out there. That, that's that's interesting. And Jennifer's way too young for this. But you and I can look back and go, you know, like My Name is Earl. You remember that show? Mm-hmm. Um, you look up all the people that you've messed over in one way or another. If there's a list of those and you try to right the wrong. Um, I... I have a motto kind of for myself, which is that the first person you need to forgive is yourself. I've made mistakes, you know. We've all made mistakes. Even the our young guest has made mistakes, probably. And hopefully they're not horrendous things. But forgive yourself, you know. Just don't. You've got to learn from that and try to not do it again. If it's with regard to other people, that's what I try to do now. And hopefully things will get better. Um one final thing, uh, Jennifer, because you're interested in science fiction, what do you feel about life on other planets or life somewhere else? Do you think that we're going to, you think somebody's going to come in your lifetime, which fortunately will be extended long beyond when we're dust? Um, you, you see that happening or you think there, that there, there are uh, aliens laying back because, hey, these guys aren't ready? Which, by the way, if I was an alien, that's what I would think. What do you think about all that? Is there is there life other elsewhere? Yes, <laughs> I would say yes. I, I do believe that. Um, 
aliens. So what what my so I call her my, my spiritual teacher, Teal. Kind of tries to avoid this topic because it can make you seem a little woo-woo or crazy. But um, the way she she describes aliens, which made a lot of sense to me, was that there's there's aliens in this dimension, which is the third dimension. If you look at um, uh, was it quantum physics? The the, the different levels of um, dimensions that we have have different beings, so those would be considered aliens. So I don't know. I don't know if I actually. It's hard to 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 really believe in that type of thing. Um, but I'm open to it. As far as like physical aliens coming here, I don't. I don't know in my lifetime. It, like when you you guys were talking about if if we collectively want something, it'll happen. I don't think we collectively want aliens to come here yet because we'd all have heart attacks. <laughs> Well, the other but thing I, is that uh, yeah. Dr. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, one of the things that he said somewhere, I don't know where, was, and, and I think he's right, I agree 100%, which is great because I agree 100% with somebody who's more intelligent than 99.999% of the planet. But anyway, he's uh, what he says is that like if you look at the diversity of species on this planet, you look at the weird extremely weird spiders and snakes and lizards and all undersea, you know, there's a huge, you know, things that you wouldn't even recognize as having a face, but that are living and, you know, doing things. Obviously, out in the cosmos, it could be something way more far off that we can't even imagine. So, now, I'm extending it from, he does not say this, but obviously, first of all, there could be something already with us that we don't even see, and that's kind of what you were saying about the dimensions. Yeah. Uh, and second of all, um, when they come, we may not recognize them, or we certainly, you know, they could be like blue cubes. I don't know. Anyway, that was his thing, and that's certainly true. Why would we expect, because in the science fiction movies, it's always, you know, somebody with two legs, two arms, right? And they have the weird <laughs> head. Well, that's not what it's going to be, probably, right? Because yeah. why would it be? Why would it be? Anyway, what do you think, Jim? Aliens? Uh, I've always found it extremely arrogant that that this is it. Yeah. That you know that that this blue blue dot in space is it. Um, I, do I think that necessarily there's like say a replicant of the three of us on you know Gamma Galaxy Twelve Z? <laughs> I I don't think so. You know, to me, there's enough scary things right here on Earth with you know. Animals and things like that, and, and all that stuff. Exactly, but I I believe that there are there has I really truly uh, firmly believe there are other life forms out there somewhere. Do I think that they're doing a podcast right now <laughs> while they're on you know on a third version of Google Plus or something like that? Um, <laughs> no, um, and. Do I think that they're laying in wait uh, for the invasion, like in the Twilight Zone or something? No. Um, to Serve Man, by the way, is like the greatest Twilight Zone episode ever. When it turns out, you know, we're, we think we're going to these wonderful planet for to to, you know, to have this wonderful life, and instead we're just becoming a part of their menu to eat. It's a cookbook, uh, Jim. Yeah, it's a cookbook. Great. Oh my God, I love that episode. <laughs> but I. I to me, there has to be other building blocks of life out there. I just, it's unfathomable to me in the billions and billions of planets that this is it. it 
it, it, it doesn't to me make any kind of scientific sense whatsoever. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm really looking forward to the new series Cosmos that's starting tonight with uh, Tyson. Uh, you know, it's a reboot of Carl Sagan's original mm-hmm. miniseries, and it's Carl Sagan. By the way, if if anybody wants to go up uh, Google or go to Smithsonian uh, Magazine uh, dot com today, they have it's a long read. It's probably about a twenty minute read, but it's a fascinating article on Cosmos, on the remake of it, on uh, Carl Sagan, his wife, because his wife is still the executive producer and mm-hmm. creator of this and writer and so forth. And it's just, it's, it really is a fascinating and it really takes a deep look at Carl Sagan. And and he wanted to believe that there was ETs out there, but he also didn't think that they were going to be coming and walking and talking for him. Well, you look at the timeline. Um, I read this a long time ago. I don't, I'm, it must be still true that if you look at the age of the Earth and the amount of time that mankind has been alive on the Earth, the age of the Earth is the Empire State Building, and the amount that mankind has been around is the thickness of a dime. So obviously, we're nothing in history. We're we're living in a, and that's the whole history of mankind. Whatever that is, how many thousands of years? Uh, 6,500 years. It's only 6,500 years. Well, (laughs) the planet's only 6,500 years. No, no, you're confusing two things the age of the planet with. uh, (laughs) Anyway, I don't know how many uh, years we actually. 3,000, I suppose, something like that. Anyway, the point is uh, it's nothing. Our history's nothing. So it could be, you know, in 20,000 years when who knows what's going to be. There probably won't be a Google Plus, though. I think that's a safe uh, prediction. Anyway, there may not be a medium either in 20,000 years. I think it's a good moment to um, thank Jennifer, and we'll put some links on. So go to leavethebottlepodcast.com, and you'll see the links to her writings, which I like. That's why she's here. And um, check out what she's doing. I think it's very, very interesting. Jim? Uh, I want to thank Jennifer again for it's been a really – it's kind of been a different hour for us because we a lot of times were – a little bit less philosophical than this. Maybe it's because it's Sunday. And I we like have, philosophical. And we have a nice guest on and it's Sunday. And so it's like it's touching our inner philosophical core or something as opposed to yesterday, which was a little bit more of our boy juvenile kind of stuff, which was very fun too. That's kind of the whole fun thing of life is that you can do that kind of stuff. But I really want to thank you, Jennifer, for coming on. This has been a really cool hour and it's uh been illuminating and interesting and uh now i want i've been reading some of your stories i want to read more i can't wait to read future stories as well thank you for having me this was fun it was great jennifer thanks again for (laughs) accepting the invite and i hope you'll come back we'll uh i'll be in touch okay okay excellent and and for anybody out there you can subscribe to the podcast on itunes stitcher soundcloud and please, if you love us, if you hate us, say it. Either way, we can always use the reviews and uh, get the latest episodes. We throw something up a couple times a week. Already? 